I was twisting my head to look beseechingly over my shoulder when there was a burst of light so bright it bleached every color in the room to black. The king was caught, eyes wide and mouth open, staring over my shoulder. I faced around, saw the terrifying silhouette of a figure, an impenetrable darkness limbed by light, between me and the doors, and I wrenched myself free. My fear greater than all the efforts of Hilarion and Philo to hold me, I threw myself at the king, buried my face in his chest, felt the trembling in him that mirrored my own. Neither of us moved. You know, when a god has to show up to tell you not to kill a child, <laughs> you may... <laughs> You may need some help. You may be on the wrong track here. (laughs) Welcome back, remaining ambassadors who haven't been kicked out of the country. I'm Noelle. And I'm Caitlin. And this is the Aetolian Archives, your Queen's Thief reread podcast to help you recover from Return of the Thief. We are back after a bit of a hiatus... Thank you for bearing with. Thank you for bearing with. <laughs> I was doing some some school stuff and we had life stuff and now we're going to be back on our normal schedule is the goal. Today we are discussing chapter six of Return of the Thief. This is a pretty short chapter, but very exciting, even though the bulk of the action hinges on grain wagons. Nothing more thrilling than taxes. And the, the deal with the grain wagons is that uh, Arendides has burned these supplies that were actually, uh, they were stores for the war. So now either Atolia taxes the people more to replace them, in which case the people are going to riot, or she leaves the granaries empty, which is basically saying like, oh, okay. We didn't need this in the first place. We didn't need this in the first place, in which case the populace might riot, so... So, Jen and Irene, Eugenides and Natalia are very unpopular right now. They've been taxing people a lot to prepare for a war that people refuse to believe is even going to happen. And it's it's interesting that in this chapter, um, it says that Atolia had only been a popular queen after her marriage to Eugenides at the end of the war with Edis and Sunus. Yeah. And now her popularity in the kings was leeching away as tensions are rising. So I, I had kind of thought before this that like, okay, her barons hate her, but don't we kind of get a lot about her people supporting her? You know, I thought she kind of brought like stability to the country. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. We, that, we, that's right, right? Because in this, like in this discussion, popularity is very much about the people, because they're yeah. the ones who are bearing the brunt of having to give their crops to the etc. And like we sort of previously haven't had that very much. Like, the big threat to them in Atolia has been the barons, who are all jockeying for power, and they think they can get in under the whole monarchy. Mm-hmm. But the general citizenry hasn't so much been a factor. Yeah. And now it's emerging as something that matters a lot. Although, you know, I guess I can see her being unpopular with the amount of other wars they've had. Yeah. (laughs) Like, we learned, you know, okay, she took over, and then her barons revolted and had an actual, like, literal civil war. And then they were at war with Edis and Sunus. Yeah, and I think before that, like, even before the thief, Atolia and Sunus were at war. Because Sunus kicked Atolia out of the land on the other side of Edis's mountains? 
It's been rough, okay? The Aetolians, I feel like they don't want to believe that the Medes are going to invade because they're just so sick of war, you know? They're like, you know what? I really need the pandemic to be over, so (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to decide that it's over. Um, I need a break. (laughs) And even though people, like... Ferris, who's narrating, says that anybody who wasn't an idiot knew that the Medes were still a grave threat. Right. But it's just not convenient. <laughs> and this uh, this chapter opens with the aftermath of the whole Pent incident, mm-hmm. shall we say. And the the two governing bodies outside of the monarchy, the sort of quasi-Republican situation with the barons there's the assembly of barons and then there's the assembly of the greater families i think it is yeah the greater patronoi the greater patronoi the heads of the great families or even an assembly of all the barons uh sounds like those two would have some overlap but the greater patronoi patronoi whatever would be like smaller yeah and And more more powerful there's talk of getting together to formally censure the king for this incident with the pen which is pretty serious i mean all he did was throw a knife at the guy yeah that's a little nice defending his wife too yeah like but any excuse right yeah they're just gonna take anything to get after jen um but there are two opposing opinions in the Aetolian court that have even split the attendance between okay the pence an idiot and the king was absolutely right to throw (laughs) a knife and Okay, the pen's an idiot, but the king should have gone about this the right way, and then we could have actually taken him down, which is my opinion. And then there's Zykos, who voiced to Zikander a savage wish that the king had succeeded in killing the ambassador. If only we could have been rid of them both. Three opinions. Negativity all around. And they don't end up passing a motion against the king because Susa won't support it. But they do have a big awkward meeting that could have been an email about (laughs) how (laughs) this was a bad call and um the braille ambassador says in these tempestuous times in these unprecedented times your majesty sorry i'll stop referencing (laughs) in these tempestuous times your majesty i would like to hear from you that we are safe here in your home that our diplomatic immunity is inviolable the king pretended to take offense. He assured the Brailing in a high-handed manner that he wasn't going to start firing at ambassadors the way Sunis had. Nice job throwing Sophos under the bus again. <laughs> Lingering for so long over the circumstances under which he might be tempted to do so that he rendered his own assurances absurd. People covered their mouths to hide their laughter. And Jen says they can't unite themselves long enough to agree on what wine to have with dinner. It will be forgotten in a day. Mm-hmm. And it's unclear whether... He's just blustering or he actually is not concerned. And I feel like this can also give it maybe a little bit more insight on why Jen is such a public jokester. Can you imagine being in the middle of all this tension? You're about to go into a war. But, like, it's been years of everyone on edge. Yeah. Is what it says a little bit later on in the book. It's really just helping everyone out. Public-minded. <laughs> and meanwhile, Ferris is not having a good funny time. No. Because he knows that it was his fault. He's the one who told Eurydice about where the wagons would be. And he's anticipating being, like, murdered for this any day. He's not eating. He's not sleeping. He's not getting out of bed. Petrus goes to see him. And um, there's a really good representation of chronic pain in this chapter. 
on like what Ferris is going through, which I I really appreciated. I thought that was great. And he's doing like old timey physical therapy. Yeah. And this is this is the chapter in which Ferris's cover is blown. Essentially. Yes. People realize that he can communicate and he does understand what they say. And, and so, he knows all of their secrets. Yep. And they, you know, it's like them suddenly realizing that, like, their Alexa is sentient. <laughs> she is, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and let's just go over. I'm sorry. I, I made a list. So the king almost knifes Ferris. He kicks him. He slaps his hands away from his ears and threatens to cut out his tongue. And in this chapter, it's also re-emphasized uh, twice later on that Ferris is a child. Yeah. It's, that's what Ferris describes himself as. Um, he says, you know, there was rising tensions around him, but I was focused on my own woes because I was a child. Yeah. Again, the, world, the word child is used. And then also, uh, Juridius is just a year younger than him. And Juridius is also called just a child in this chapter. Yeah, literally, Juridius is too young to be punished, even though they know that he's the one who passed the information yeah. on to, you know, whoever did it. It says, too young to be pressed for the truth, which I took to mean tortured. Yeah. And meanwhile, Jen is pulling a knife on Ferris. <laughs> and I think that, I mean, among many other things, it's uh, betraying how stressed out Eugenides actually is about everything that's going on. But, you know, healthy ways. Healthy ways. Healthy ways. Can we, can we <laughs> to deal with stress and children in your house? And this is, I mean, this might be one of the most, um, this might be the scariest he ever is. Mm -hmm. And not that, like, Jen gets very scary in this book in general. He's got some intense bits. But this is very, like, both out of control and all him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's not being taken over by the god and, right. and, and suddenly becoming very scary and very violent. This is just... This is just Jen. And also, you know, all of his other scary moments are in, like, battle. They're in, you know, more acceptable contexts without children involved. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's threatening and killing and torturing adults. <laughs> <laughs> Which is totally fine. <laughs> yes. but, but this is like just a, a a type of being close to the edge that it's just different. Yeah. Which Atolia also hits when she's like, oh, I didn't... She cuts off his hand and then two days later he's like, shit, I didn't realize he was a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, uh, I should have fact-checked this a little bit before I... Like, they, they clearly have a, like, an existing societal idea about childhood and adulthood that is getting blurry like yeah juridius he's barely old like he's 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 not old enough to even consider punishing like they would punish an adult they just um banish him to Didi's wayward home for exiled atolians off in feria <laughs> where he's gonna have a great time i'm sure and like like that compared to him saying to Atolia, like, tell me you won't cut out my tongue. Like, he yeah. is, he's enacting things that he is afraid of. Right. And then juxtaposed with all of this, we see Ferris's own reaction and how much Ferris does care about the king. He could cut out my stupid tongue if he would only let me stay. 
you know like he loves the king and he wants to stay there even through this which is insane um but again ferris has been abused his entire life (laughs) so and then they they both have this vision that nobody else sees Mm -hmm. and they're kind of cowering together like they suddenly are are placed on an equal level and Ferris narrates, what the attendants made of our reactions, I don't know. So there's, again, that separation between, you know, like, yeah, we saw a bunch of supernatural stuff throughout the events that I'm relating, but you can decide if it was real. And the attendants are also projecting onto Ferris because they they feel guilty about having teamed up with Sejanus. And so they're, like, extra pissed off. The king should kill him. All of them should be killed, said Medander. I considered my uncle Sejanus still under arrest. He manipulated the other attendants into behavior they were now ashamed of. Yeah. And so they want to they wanna distance themselves from that. Yeah. But Ion is the one who steps up and says, okay, we're not going to kill him. We'll keep him safe. But some of the attendants also get swapped out at the end of this chapter. Oh, yeah. For both the king and the queen yeah and it says the queen changed her attendance quote fairly often unquote which we haven't seen much of before but that's mm-hmm. more because we haven't really seen super much of her attendance but it's mentioned that uh Frezine and amenia are her senior attendants and they are not switched out but that's because they're careful not to use their closeness to her for like political reasons mm-hmm. and so Two attendants were honored for their service and sent home with expensive gifts. They were replaced with two younger women, Seda and Scylla, who both became famous later, but for reasons unrelated to this account. Thank you for the details, Ferris. Definitely a fic opportunity. Um, And one of the king's new attendants tries to hit Ferris and Ion says, Lay a hand on him and I'll cut it off. A serious threat in the Aetolian court. Yeah. That's an interesting... Uh, line at the end of this very chapter right after Ion defends Ferris saying Ion tried to live by principles that no one had ever taught me do not lie, do not take what is not yours, do not hurt the weak Melisandre didn't teach him any of that yeah, no, yeah, you're right (laughs) I didn't think about it like that he had a mom (laughs) (laughs) who was I guess mostly concerned about keeping him alive that's true, depending on how you interpret it Jen himself is very young, still. Mm-hmm. It's a chapter of aftermath. It's a chapter of a lot of things being decided against. They're going to formally censure the king and then they don't. They're going to kill Ferris and then they don't. And uh, the instead, the status quo is ostensibly maintained. Mm. But really, things have changed there's more tension. The king and queen's position generally is uh, more fragile. Ferris uh, has a whole different relationship with everyone. Feels like the stakes have just got higher. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Sejanus has come up again. He sort of keeps coming up periodically yeah. just to uh, remind you that he exists and mm-hmm. that he might come back. Yeah, before before this book came out, did you think he was going to be in it? No. Did you? No. no. I would never yeah. have thought he was going to be in it. I kind of thought he might. Like, I thought Arendides was going to get him out of prison and he would be, like, another enemy. But I never in my wildest dreams thought about a redemption arc. Yeah. Yeah. But I liked it. 
So did I. Yeah, it was just like really satisfying. Queen's Thief is about forgiveness, people. <laughs> That's what it's about. Anatolia isn't in this chapter, not physically at least. Mm-hmm. He does talk about how the king is getting blamed for the queen's preparations because it's Atolia who knows how to prepare for war. Mm-hmm. He never learned things like, like he refused to learn military strategy. <gasps> I think he was trying very hard. He didn't want to be a soldier. He had an anti-career goal. He had an anti-career goal. But I think in addition to not wanting to be a soldier, he didn't want to be a king. I think that 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 yeah. post this book specifically, we can interpret a lot of Jen's kind of early action yeah. as trying to make himself as unking-like as possible. Definitely. Now that we know how how likely it could have been that he could have ended up with Edith, even without all of this other crap. Exactly. You know, after Edith's older brothers died and all that, you know. He both didn't want to be king just in general, and he had no, like, he didn't want to be a threat to Helen. Mm-hmm. So he puts himself in this position that's sort of outside of the ordinary hierarchy. Who specifically cannot become king. Yeah. He can't even own land, right? Yeah. That's chapter six. Next time, good news and bad news. Send us your comments, questions, thoughts. Chime in at atolianarchives.tumblr.com. Be blessed in your endeavors. Thank you for listening. This has been an amateur embroidery production. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, anywhere podcasts are available. are discussing chapter six of thick as thieves no no that's not <laughs> it we've been gone for well, it's a really long time been a while, it? <laughs> it's been a long time